Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Here with me at the podium is the Minister for Health and Social Care, and on Zoom we have the Director of Public Health. This morning we learned the sad news that a number, another member of our island community, a patient at Nobles Hospital, had lost their life to COVID-19. My heart goes out to the family and loved ones at this difficult time, and I extend my sincerest condolences. My thoughts on those I'm sure of our whole community are with you. I hope that this offers some small comfort against the sense of loss of what I am sure is a moment of profound sadness and grief. It is an unhappy fact that around the world lives are lost to COVID every day in their thousands. It is something that has tragically become a normal part of our existence this past year something we have almost become numb to. And whilst we have not shielded from the effects of the virus, we have now tragically lost 26 people to COVID-19 here in the Isle of Man. I think we have all at times felt as though we are in some ways detached from its ravages. We have eliminated COVID-19 on two occasions and enjoyed several months of near normality. This has perhaps made the pandemic feel as though it was something far away, something outside of our Manx bubble. Today, we have a painful reminder that, despite all of our collective efforts, we cannot completely shield our island from this disease, that this virus can be lethal, and that we must take seriously the measures in place to prevent the virus's spread in order to bring the current outbreak under control. I know you want to say a few words on this sad development, David, and that you also want to provide an update on the latest numbers. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. It's tragic enough at any time when our close-knit community loses someone from within it. But particularly at this current time with this virus, it, I think, hits us all. We've lost yet another member of our community, and we must always remember that behind the statistics that myself and the Chief Minister give is people and families and friends of individuals. There is a family who has lost a loved one and there are friends who have lost a very close friend to them and we must never forget that. We are limited in the information that we will be able to give in relation to this case as we have been with all of the deaths that have been tragically reported over the period because we still have to respect patient confidentiality and also respect the needs and wishes of the family as well. And I hope people will respect that. Turning to today's figures, the total tests undertaken stands at 38,778. The total tests concluded is 38,776. That means there are two awaiting results. And as was discussed at the last briefing, that means two tests to be processed with the result from the lab. The total new cases identified in the last 24-hour period is 66. That means our total case number rises to 1,157 with 704 active cases and there remains 12 cases within the hospital. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you, David. A similar level of new cases to yesterday and around half the number of new cases we saw at the start of the week. As I said yesterday, it appears the measures we have in place are having an effect. This is thanks to everyone in our community following the rules. Please keep it up. It is so important that we minimise contact between people, 
Please stay at home as much as possible. It is the most effective way to protect yourself and your loved ones from catching COVID and to break the chains of transmission. In relation to new cases, you will likely have heard that some crew members aboard the Ben McCree have been instructed to self-isolate. This led to today's sailing of the Ben having to be cancelled. They will resume tomorrow when a new crew is rostered. The steam packet have contingency measures in place for these situations. The MV Arrow made its way to the island earlier today and will handle, handle overnight freight between the island and Haysham. Our freight will continue to flow and the island remains well supplied. Although today is tinged with sadness, I do have some positive news to share with you. Earlier today we passed the threshold of having administered 30,000 doses of COVID vaccine. The team have worked flat out all week doing a remarkable job administering thousands of doses and my thanks once again to everyone involved for all that you are doing for our island. David, would you like to talk a little bit more about that, please? Yes, thank you, Chief Minister. In relation to the vaccine programme, we have now passed the 30,000 milestone that I alluded to at yesterday's briefing. The total vaccines delivered at the snapshot as I came into this briefing is 30,672, with 19,888 of those being first doses and 10,782 of those um, second doses. And there are a couple of doses still to be allocated, as people will see if they, as to which they were, if people see if the, from the figures. One of the great milestones around this is that it means we are moving swiftly through our vaccination categories, and those in the vulnerable group, so the clinically vulnerable group aged 16 to 64, the letters have now started going out, and so people will now be able to go online and register if they fall within that group. Also, I know it's come up as a query when people register about the time 111 takes to ring back. Please don't worry if 111 isn't immediately in touch. They are exceptionally busy at the moment. And just to give an idea of this, this latest cohort of letters going out is 7,000 letters. So that means that there will be an exceptional demand on the service. The booking team will get back to you. It may take a bit longer than usual, but it will not stall your appointment because we boo start booking in advance and you will get a call back with an appointment as soon as possible. We also have the Ramsey pop-up clinic again this weekend. For those who are booked in um, to that clinic, please can I emphasise that you do not go in via the main Ramsey Cottage Hospital entrance. You follow the signage to the clinic, which is to the left of Martin Ward, and PPE will be provided at the clinic itself. Can I also just make the point that for those who have had the vaccine, can you please still be cautious particularly when you're out and about we know from studies that have been done on the vaccine the vaccine takes time to build it's not immediate immediately after you've had your vaccine so i would urge anyone at this time who has been vaccinated that they still should follow the precautions that they were following previously and equally those who have been asked to shield we do still ask them to shield whether or not they have been vaccinated at this time we have to remember that as a community, our best defences against this disease are the same as they've always been, and that's been the use of masks where appropriate, hand hygiene, and also ensuring ventilated spaces wherever possible. Thank you, Chief Minister. And thank you very much, David. Some more good news I would like to share today is that we are launching our new COVID-19 dashboard. 
We have been publishing open data relating to COVID-19 for some time. However, we recognise the need to provide a daily overview for the public. The new dashboard provides a snapshot of current cases for public information and interest. These are broken down to show whether they have been acquired, that they have been acquired locally or from travel, as well as the age, gender profiles and location of active cases. It also shows information on rolling averages and provides an overview of our testing programme. The dashboard is updated automatically using data from contact tracing and the 111 teams. Initially, it will be updated once a day at 3 o'clock, but with a view to this becoming more frequent in the future. This is very much version 1, and as with our vaccination dashboard, we would welcome your feedback. You can view the dashboard at gov.im forward slash COVID-19 in the latest updates section. One final point I want to cover today is support for those who are self-isolating in obtaining essential services, such as groceries and medicine. I know there can be real challenges here, but help is at hand. St John's Ambulance has reactivated its prescription delivery service, working in partnership with our community pharmacists and the pharmacy at Nobles Hospital. Anyone in need of this service can arrange it through their local pharmacy. For food, local retailers and producers continue to show resilience and adaptability. Dozens of businesses are offering delivery services for produce and prepared meals. Full details are available at gov.im forward slash COVID-19. Before handing over to the media, I know that in the past you have been exemplary in approaching questions following the loss of life with sensitivity and compassion. We must all remember that there are people in our community today grieving and that there will be details to which myself and Minister Ashford are quite rightly not privy and which family members may wish to keep private. So with that, first we have today is Paul Moulton from Isle of Man Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Good afternoon. I take on board exactly what you just said there, but the information I suppose people are looking for was the underlying health issues, had the person been vaccinated uh, and that sort of thing. Is there anything more you can tell us, uh, Health Minister? Um, yeah, Paul, um, what I can say is in terms of age, all I can confirm is they were in the older age groups. Um, I can't confirm in relation to underlying health conditions because I don't have that information myself. Um, and again, in vaccination status, we would not know that because that forms part of their personal medical record. Um, so we will never know at any point whether someone has been vaccinated or not. And we can't share those details because they form part of their personal medical history as well. Um, so I know that's not, probably not very helpful, um, or, but the only thing I can confirm at this time as age-wise, they were in the older age groups. Uh, and just on that, how are the ventilators doing? Are you under pressure? Uh, uh, is there you see a big rise in people now in there? No, there is there is still only one person that is in ICU. Um, a bit like we discussed last year, but again, it's been a long time, so it's worth discussing again. There is very few patients, even when they are hospitalised with COVID-19, that will actually require ventilation. Many require simply oxygen therapy, which is very, very different. Um, in relation to ventilators, we have no issue at all, and there is currently one patient in ICU. 
And my second question is about the steam packet. They say the protocols are being followed. So what's gone wrong? Uh, but back to this again, that something has gone wrong, but no one knows what is going wrong. And it comes back to protocols being adhered to. Anyone shed any more light on what has happened? Well, that's why, Paul, I've asked for a, a, a review of what has happened so that we can see. I'm, I'm happy to share the, um, the, the protocols to inform in that review. And once the review, we, we have the review um, telling us what's happened, then I'm more than happy to publish it, obviously, bar any personal data that it um, discusses. So we just don't know at, at this moment in time. You're quite right. Something has gone wrong. We need to find out what so that if we need to make changes to um, put in place procedures to stop that from happening again then we do, we do so but we will obviously publish that when um, it's when we've got the report an officer has been appointed to do the report and um, they will start taking evidence I'm sure on Monday. Uh, and would you maybe ask Miss Woodward to come to one of these press briefings so that we have a chance to put questions on behalf of the public to him? Well, no, that's the, these press briefings are, are government press briefings. Mr. Woodward is the, the head of a private company, but I'm, I'm sure um, the report will the reporter will obviously be wanting to discuss with the steam packet um, the details to get the details from them as, as to what measures they have in place. But as I say, let's wait and see what the report, the review gives us, and then we will know um, ho hopefully what what has gone wrong and what changes we're able to make. Thanks, Paul. Okay, next we have Josh Stokes from ITV Granada. Good afternoon, Josh. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. Now, this is terribly sad news, particularly after so long without a death in the community. Emotions are running high around the island today. It is, of course, being described as tragic, but it's also being suggested as an avoidable situation by many. Now that we've all been reminded of the seriousness of this situation, how do you respond to people calling for more responsibility from the government. It's not a blame game, it's not a witch hunt, but people have been asking for more responsibility and some empathy towards the public who've had to put their lives on hold once again. What do you say to those people that have been saying that today? Well, of course, everyone's upset that we've lost another member of society. We've lost 25 before um, because we, we, we've had problems with the vaccine, with, sorry, with the vaccine, with the virus getting to the island. Um, that's most regrettable. We put in, play, in place procedures to try and stop that from happening, but these procedures are not 100% perfect unless we totally close our borders. Um, unless we totally close our borders, we may see this happen again until everyone is vaccinated and, and protected. But um, you know, we, we can't start saying the blame game. The government acted quickly to do its best to protect the island. Sadly, there's been a, a breakdown in, the, in our defences. The virus has got back onto the island and we need to ensure that we get it kicked off the island as quickly as possible until we have our people vaccinated so that we can protect everyone. I don't know, Minister Ashford, if you want to comment. Yeah, if I could, Chief Minister. This is an exceptionally worrying time for our community, Josh. There will be a lot of nervous people out there, a lot of people concerned, particularly in the vulnerable groups in society. And this news today will have come as a body blow to many and increase the concern amongst those groups. I, we, As an island, we have always, as a community, pulled together at times like this. And I think this is another one of those times where we need to be strong and we need to pull together. Um, you know, in terms of were, were things avoidable, we won't... 
you know, you can never answer that question because you can never actually pull out the scenarios of what would have happened if something different had been done. We are dealing with an invisible enemy in this virus. We've made clear we can always put measures in place, but there is no measure that is 100% certain. We always have to do things on the balance of risk, and that's exactly what has happened throughout. It's been made clear over the last 12 months that there was always the opportunity for the virus to sneak back in, and that is exactly what has happened. We will, you, nothing you can do will ever be watertight against that. So, yeah, we do have to accept that this is a sad time for our community with the announcement that's had to be made today, a very worrying time for a lot of people out there. And what we need to do is, is reinforce the fact that if we stick to the measures that are in place, if we actually stick to obeying the rules that are in place, then as a community as a whole, we can free ourselves yet again of this dreadful virus and limit the potential for any further issues. Um, but we do that as a community as a whole. And again, it shows and I think reinforces the message of why, although many of the restrictions we have in place are so difficult for so many, it also shows why they are so necessary to protect so many as well. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and my second question is uh, in relation to the exit strategy document, Guernsey yesterday released their exit strategy, suggesting borders could fully open up as early as July with no isolation requirement, whereas our document isn't so forthcoming with a date that early. Do you think the Isle of Man can make that sort of commitment or are Guernsey just being too optimistic here in your mind? Um, well, thanks, Josh. As I understand, our friends in Guernsey have today published their, what it's called, Moving Forward Blueprint, and it seems much of the focus on the document is still on the reopening of existing facilities. On their borders, I understand it is at the earliest July, and of course it could be later. So we've said what we currently think, and it could be earlier too in our situation. It depends on the getting the vaccines that we presume are getting and the, and the delivery dates and also the situation in the UK and further afield on the infection rate. So I think we all need to keep a, a picture, you know, an eye on the whole picture. And I said we'll review it regularly. And if we can bring ours forward, fine. If it, if it goes back, then, you know, that would be a problem. But Guernsey ha have come up with a date, but they've they have said it, that might be the, at the absolute earliest. I don't know, David, if there's anything you'd like to add. Yes, if I may, Chief Minister. It's very easy, and as someone who used to work in project management, it, it becomes very simple to fixate yourselves on dates. And I think what's important is we don't. There'll be countries around the world that will have various documents, various strategies, some with dates in, some not with dates. Some will be earlier dates, some will be later. The UK document, for instance, has um, dates in, but says that is the earliest date. Um, what, we, what matters is the detail within there and the transition phases as to how we get back to normal. And that's what people should be focused on rather than the dates. If things go exceptionally well, then things may happen earlier. If things don't go as well, they may happen slightly later. So what people should be focusing on is where we are on that journey not necessarily the time we get to that journey, um, because I think that's what's important, because it's that roadmap of people seeing where they are in that journey that will actually give them an idea of where we are going. Thanks very much, Josh. Thank you. Now we move on to Richard Butt from Isle of Man Newspapers. Good afternoon, Richard. Fast am I. Fast am I, Mr Quayle. This question is probably for Dr Hewitt, actually. Um, I wonder, do we have an R number for the Isle of Man now? No, we don't never have attempted to calculate an R number. 
The main reason for that is that our numbers for small populations are just totally unreliable and would change significantly in response to very small fluctuations in numbers of cases. So, in fact, you may be aware that, in fact, local areas or regions across don't calculate R. It's only calculated um, at a national level, but then data is reported on whether levels are going up or down or staying stable in regions. So that's the reason we don't we don't calculate our thank you. How do we get that sort of information that is is is, is other places get from that R number? What sort of equivalent um, information do we get to to get that sort of knowledge? Well, that's quite straightforward because R basically just gives you a measure of whether an outbreak or level of infection is rising, falling, or staying level. And actually, we get that from our outbreak curves, and that will be part of the dashboard that is being published. So you'll be able to see that actually in a way which is much more informative than trying to calculate an R, which is going to change every time the numbers change, and doesn't really give a picture in quite such a good way as the curve will. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, Richard, now we move on to Rob. Hang Pichard. on, second question. All oh, right. <laughs> I thought you'd finish then for one minute. No, no. <laughs> Never have too much of a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm just interested in the vaccine issue. Good news, we've got uh, so many done. As, as we're going down the age profile, um, it seems that younger people who don't have as many health problems, especially people who've new to the Isle of Man, etc., won't be, don't have a GP because they've never actually had to go to a doctor especially people maybe whose English, you know, don't have English as a first language. Is any work being done on that to get that information out to those people um, to, to actually get them to be jabbed? Because we could have a significant number of people who just don't get the jabs because they aren't on the list. Yeah, it's a good question, um, Richard. I'll ask David yeah. to answer it for you. Yeah, I'll take that one, if I may, Richard. Mm -hmm. um, in relation to that, it's a very, very good point because, we, you know, as we go down the cohorts, things change. And we have already been looking at the younger cohorts. And one of the things, so for instance, university students may not even be on Ireland at the point that their age group is, co is called up. So they will have the ability to have either their first vaccination in the UK and then if they're on Ireland, have their second one here because they'll be able to produce a card to show they've been vaccinated or vice versa. In relation to other cohorts of young people, um, one of the things we have changed is that previously, early on in the vaccination programme, you had to be registered as a full-time resident um, with a GP in order to be vaccinated. Um, I had the team look at this and now you can be registered temporarily. So as we go down the cohorts, we will be using social media and campaigns to get the message out there that this does still apply to them, that they still should get the vaccine um, and they will have the ability via their GP surgery to register as a temporary patient if they so wish. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I would urge people who are on the island full time to be registered with a GP anyway. Um, because from a health point of view, it's always wise for them to do so. So it may be able that we can actually do two things at once, do a drive with the young people who aren't registered with the GP to get them to be so, um, and also the vaccination at the same time. But we are already looking at that across the different age cohorts and how the messaging will need to change with the younger cohorts as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Richard. Now we move on to Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon, Rob. Fast am I. Pastor my Chief Minister, of course, very sad news this morning regarding another fatality down to coronavirus. I just wondered for clarity, are there any services available to people specifically who've suffered a bereavement in the family or from a close friend as a result of COVID-19? 
Okay, David, do you want to take that one, please? Yeah, there is not specific services, Rob, but we have a wide range of services available on Ireland, including counselling services. If there's mental health issues, access to those services that people can access. And I would urge people to use those services if they feel the need to do so. Um, it is a very tragic time. When, when there is a death, as I say, in normal circumstances, but particularly at this time and particularly with the restrictions our communities having to live under at the moment, then that only heightens it all. We do have services available and I would urge anyone, not just those who have suffered a bereavement, but anyone who is struggling out there in the community to make contact and access those services if they need them. Okay, thank you. Um, second question on a different note. You may have been aware that um, yesterday there was news about EasyJet have been announcing schedules for island flights from as early as May this year, but there are no current border changes planned here on island. How aware of this situation are you and what are your views on that? Well, I haven't had any personal negotiations with EasyJet. I would have expected DOI or our Department for Enterprise to have a discussion with them. But we have said that by the end of April, subject to getting all the vaccines that we've been promised, that we hope to be able to look at making changes to allow family and friends to, to visit people on the island. So maybe they've looked at that and, and think from that they're going to take that opportunity going forward. I certainly don't think we'll be open opening our entire borders um, in, in May. But as I say, I sincerely hope that we can allow family and friends to come and visit at that date because we hope to have had given a first vaccine to all of our vulnerable groups. I don't know, um, David, if you've got anything to add to that. Yeah, if I could just very briefly, Chief Minister, say, Rob, that obviously airlines have to try and work their schedules out in advance. You may remember we had this same situation over the summer last year where um, where there were schedules announced and people said, well, was that did that mean there was going to be border changes? We don't decide our border changes based on airline routes. We, we decide our border changes on what protects the island and what we need to have in place at any given time. EasyJet may well be exploring what they could potentially do, but certainly as far as I'm aware, there's been no discussions around that. Um, and like I say, the border restrictions would depend upon the situation in place and any airlines operating have to comply with those border restrictions. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Rob. Next, we move on to Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Tim. Fast am I. Fast am I, and uh, firstly, deepest condolences to the family and uh, friends of the person who's passed away from all at Manx Radio. I'm sure I speak for everyone who attends and the organisations that attend this briefing as well. Can I just ask on uh, the figures now for the numbers in self-isolation and is there any news on when key workers who are desperate obviously to get back to work some are providing medical services uh, will be able to utilize a school hub right well well first and foremost i think between now and, and monday there's this circa a thousand people will be coming out of lockdown um who've gone through the the, the period um of, of isolation tim and um, re regarding school hubs, I think the most important, as much as we want to open them up straight away, 
the most important thing is protecting our, our young people and whilst and obviously the teachers and the support staff that look after them and whilst we have still have such a high um, percentage of infection amongst our young people we, we just do not think now is the right time to be sending young people back to the hubs so I cannot see the hubs opening for, for next week it's something we bitterly regret but when you see the infections amongst our young people if we open a hub and we send say 50 to 100 of our young people to that one hub school even if we do tests it's only a snapshot if that then spread amongst the rest of the children we would have maybe 50 to 100 families where of our key workers shut down straight away because of that problem so I'm sure that once we see the uh, a reduction in the number of infected cases in our young people then we can you know, as quickly as possible open up our hubs we have a number of of teachers who volunteered to work in hubs and our nursery care provision too but sadly at this moment in time we just don't feel it's the right time to open them up i know david if you'd like if you have anything further to add yeah i'll take on both of the points that tim um, has made and then i'll bring the director of public health in in relation to um, hub schools tim I, I think what we've got to be very careful of, again, is this law of unintended consequences that I keep talking about, that we don't do something that then induces a secondary spike in terms of the child infection. Because as we've seen when it comes to children, because they're going back to whole households, it, it can spread very, very quickly. So I know it's exceptionally hard for a lot of parents at the moment. I've been in personal touch with an awful lot who've got in touch with me. Um, but we have managed here on Ireland to keep an education system running a lot longer and a lot more in depth than a lot of other jurisdictions um, including the UK where schools we had a very good period where schools were operating as normal um, it is going to be a stressful time particularly for those who are trying to work from home and have young children as well because let's be honest the two don't particularly mix um, but we do ask them to bear with us because if we were to open up the hub schools too early we were to bring children into that environment and then cause infection as the chief minister said it could spread very very quickly and we could actually end up in an even worse situation than we are um, at the moment so we just need to be careful we don't do anything that could actually exasperate that you asked about self-isolation on the figures i have the total number in self-isolation at the moment is 3554 um, that consists of 1720 direct contacts in isolation and there's also 174 travelers in self-isolation as well um, so they're, they're the figures that I have, those figures are, of course, the two figures I gave there about travellers and direct contacts are contained within the 3,554. And I'll bring the Director of Public Health in if she's got anything to add. Um, I don't really. Um, on the point about education and hubs, of course, this is a virus that spreads by mixing. So if we mix people up, the risk is, you know, you've only got to have one who's infected and they've passed it to the others and they can then disperse it back into their households and and onwards from there. So that's one reason for being very cautious about bringing together any disparate group into one centre, as in a, a hub. Um, but there are other ways of trying to disperse the care, and that's being worked upon now by our colleagues in the Department for Education. Thank you. And uh, Chief Minister, just to return to where Joss touched on, uh, there are some people today on social media this afternoon saying they don't want a full inquiry into the steam packet situation, but equally many asking for a full inquiry to happen. 
surely you'd agree that the whole purpose of any inquiry isn't to apportion blame or have a, a witch hunt, but would be to ensure that systems are fit for purpose and work. Absolutely, Tim, and that's what we're doing. We're having a full review of the systems that are in place, the procedures we've put in place to mitigate the risk of obviously having to have a UK crew working with a Manx crew on, on board the ship. All these things are being looked at to see what can we do to improve the situation, what legislative changes, if any, that we need to make. We will then report back, show the report to Timold and, and to the public. It's not going to be hidden or anything like that. However, um, it may well be that Timble members decide that they want to carry out their own review through the Public Accounts Committee. That's entirely up to Timble members, and I'll respect that decision. But I'm not waiting for that to happen. I want to review so that we can learn as quickly as possible to protect the island uh, to the best of our abilities. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. OK, next we have Alex Bell from BBC Isle of Man. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Good afternoon, thank you. Um, to, to your knowledge, are any of the patients currently in Nobles Hospital uh, people who have received either dose of the vaccine? Right. I don't think I can comment on that because we wouldn't... Put it, as as um, the health minister said before, someone having a vaccine, that is their personal patient record. It's not a record that I or, or David or even Dr Ewart would, would get to see it. It's your personal details. So unless those people are prepared to share it, we, we certainly can't. I don't know, David, if there's anything further to say. Yeah, we will, we will never know in that, Alex. It's part of their personal patient record. So that sort of information cannot be collated without that individual patient's consent. Um, so we will never have a situation where we'll be able to say we've got X number of patients in hospital and X number of patients that have had the vaccine. That's not something we will either be able to collate um, or actually share. Do we have age profiles for the people in hospital? Uh, we don't. Again, it forms part of their patient record. Um, and my advice I've received throughout this pandemic period is that cannot be shared. OK, thank you very um, much. But what, um, I, what I can say uh, is it's across a multitude of age groups. Okay, thank you. Um, just to revisit a, a point which has been raised this conference, uh, the Channel Islands have published their exit plans this week. July now being given as a date for Jersey, for example, to drop all its border restrictions. Given that this will potentially give Jersey a competitive advantage as a Channel Island in bringing tourists over, will the Manx government be looking to compensate tourism providers here until September? Well, well, first and foremost, Jersey have been open for quite a while, um, Alex. They haven't had many tourists going to visit them. Uh, they then tightened up their borders when they, they um, had a serious outbreak on, on the island. Yes, of course, we accept that for, uh, for a, a number of months going forward, the only business that's going to be happening for our self-catering and um, hotels, etc., will be maybe staycations and people isolating that have had to isolate as a result of travel through um, either um, health reasons or um, personal reasons coming to the island, key workers, etc. So other than that business, there's not going to be any tourism business. And obviously the Department for Enterprise are working with their tourist sector to ensure that they can come up with the levels of support needed to keep our, our enable our businesses to continue um, until the tourism sector can open up again. Thanks very much, Alex. Right, next we have Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. 
Um, obviously, the death of one of us in hospital from COVID is a reminder just how dreadful the virus can be. And can I echo Tim's sentiment and add our sympathies to the family of the person concerned? We're now well into this lockdown. And from the latest reports you've received from sources, including the police, are people still adhering to the rules as rigorously as in previous lockdowns, would you say? Well, I had a um, meeting of Council of Ministers this morning and we didn't have any reports in, in that meeting that there had been a, a significant or, or any um, cases of people not following the rules. Obviously, there will always be some people who think they're above that and the police will do their best to try and um, get them to behave. But equally, if they don't, we, we know what the outcome will be. But hopefully people are taking this seriously. We've got a series of advertisements and press releases from all of your medias, uh, mediums advertising the fact that this is the um, Kent variant, it's far more infectious, and the best thing to do is to stay at home. So hopefully that message is getting out there. The vast, vast majority of the Great Manx public have never let us down, and we hope that that small number will, will see sense and, and follow the rules. Thank you. And for the Health Minister, we're currently using the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines, and it's good to see here today that we've passed the 30,000 mark. Is it expected we'll soon be adding Moderna vaccine to our vaccination programme? So the Moderna pro, um, vaccine, I would expect, will be added. We will get um, supplies in line with our um, deal with the UK. So we will receive 0.13% of their supplies. With Moderna, the UK doesn't start getting their supplies until the spring. Um, so that would be the same with us. And obviously, they need to make sure that all the regulatory approvals and everything are in place um, before we do so. But we would be expecting and equally any other vaccines that may eventually get regulatory approval. We would receive them as part of our deal with the UK on a per head of population basis, which is the 0.13 percent. Thank you. Just as a point of clarification, when a new cohort of people become eligible for the vaccine, are they called up alphabetically, which would obviously mean that some may have to wait a little bit longer? No, the letters go out in batches. Um, so the so the, it's not it's not done necessarily alphabetically, but the letters go out in batches um, by GP surgery generally because we're grouped into primary care areas. Um, when people get the letter, then they can register at that point. That doesn't mean they have any form of competitive advantage because their appointment will be slightly further down. Um, I checked again with the team this morning, and they do actually prioritise according to which age cohort people are in. So, for instance, anyone who's over eighties. Um, who actually may not have taken up the appointment for the vaccine yet, if they were to take it up today, where there is a slot for an appointment, they will be prioritised um, in that way. Thank you. Thanks very much, Simon. And last but not least, we have Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Good afternoon, uh, Chief Minister. Just on um, testing for Minister Ashford, actually, there's... In a few um, comments made to us today about testing involving Emma Hague students, which I believe you've also been made aware of by parents. Um, can you update on what has gone on with the situation, please, and just state for uh, basically people have said to us the tests have been done differently between the first and second. Um, can you just state what's going on here, please, and try and explain it for people, because it's a bit confusing even for, even for me, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a couple of people. Um, I've had touch from points with a couple of people this morning who've said when their child was first tested, um, the swab was done round the inside of the mouth, and then only 
partway up the nose and then the second time has been more invasive where it's gone right up into the cavity and down the back of the throat. Um, I can't comment on that Sam because I don't know the details behind it. This is just what some people have fed back to me. Um, I've fed it up the chain into infection control within the department for them to investigate and look at it um, and see if there's anything that needs to be done in that regard. Um, but I can't comment further because I, I don't know. I can only go off what people have told me. Thank you. And secondly, in terms of vaccinations, I've had a message here from someone saying they've had friends of theirs who are younger than them and have not got any health concerns have already had letters from uh, their GPs saying that they are in line for vaccine. And then when they've contacted 111, they've been told this has been sent out in error. How aware have you are of the situation across the service and what has been done to check that people are getting their letters in the right order? Well, in terms of the age cohorts, it's quite simple because it's based on date of birth. Um, so as long as the date of birth is correct on the system, then for your age cohorts, it will be generated. In terms of those with underlying health conditions um, and in the clinically vulnerable categories, we're reliant on the GPs lists because we need the GPs to confirm which of their patients um, actually has an underlying condition and whether that puts them into priority four or priority six. Um, that is a very manual process. It's a very work intensive process. And I'd like to put on record again my thanks to the GPs for engaging with us and helping us build those lists. Um, I would imagine when you're talking, so for instance, this group I've just announced today where the letters have now started going out, which is those with underlying health conditions, that group is 7,000 odd, Sam. So out of 7,000, I would expect that there potentially will be um, the odd error. Um, it sounds like 111 has picked up on it because there is a process of reconciliation when you go to book your appointment where 111 goes back and checks the details. So I would expect any errors to be caught up in that process but in terms of the age cohorts they are done based on date of birth um, so there shouldn't be any errors there unless the wrong date of birth is on the person's medical records but the vulnerable categories that has been a difficult process and I know the UK has found it an exceptionally difficult process as well. Thank you. Thanks very much Sam and, and it's fair to point that no system we put in place is going to be perfect but as the health minister just, just said we pay credit and tribute to the hard-working teams that are doing their best to a give the vaccinations and b compile the lists and put the letters out as i say this is the biggest immunization project the world has ever known and sadly from time to time the odd error will will creep in but i think the fact that we've managed to do thirty thousand and oh and plus now in such a short period of time shows that on the whole it's a pretty good system but we're always learning and trying to improve the situation all the all the time so Thank you all very much for your questions. As we approach the weekend with longer days and nicer weather, it is understandable to be want to be out, that we want to be out um, about more. But I must ask you to continue doing everything you can to bring this outbreak under control. Please stay at home as much as possible. In doing so, you are helping to protect not just our health service, our vaccination programme and other essential services, but most importantly, you are helping to protect lives, perhaps even your own. Now, I know it's Mothering Sunday this weekend, and for those of us lucky enough to still have our mums with us, please don't visit them. A phone call, Teams, etc. has to be what we, we can do this weekend. It's, it's sad, I know. We want to see our mums, but, but please refrain from going and visiting. You're, you're doing everyone in the whole island a favour. So this weekend, please be responsible and do what is right for you, those you love, and our island community. Please stay at home. Thank you all very much.